Welcome to ReachMD. You're listening to Breaking Boundaries in Breast Cancer, sponsored by Lilly. Historically, breast cancer has often been portrayed as an immunological cold or silent disease, but the emergence of immunotherapies targeting breast cancers has fundamentally changed the way we think about this disease. And with the ongoing evolution of other systemic treatments such as endocrine therapies, targeted treatments, and bone-modifying drugs, the opportunities to further change perceptions toward breast cancer are always nearby. Taking us part of the way are the latest research updates coming out of ASCO's annual meeting, and on today's program, we'll dive into some highlighted studies making positive impacts in the field. This is Breaking Boundaries in Breast Cancer, and I'm Mario Nasinovich. Joining me is Dr. Bora Lim, Assistant Professor in the Department of Breast Medical Oncology at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. Dr. Lim is a translational investigator who is currently overseeing five active breast cancer trials and associated biomarker studies. Dr. Lim, welcome to the program. Thank you, Mario. I'm glad that you know I'm here to discuss some exciting findings from the ASCO with you guys. Before we dig into some of the highlighted studies coming out of ASCO, Dr. Lim, can you give us some background on the expanding range of therapies that have been developed for breast cancer and the impacts they've made in this field so far? So the breast cancer research has been exciting. I would say this is one of the most rapidly changing fields within the solid tumor era, that the most exciting changes that had been happening in breast cancer for the last few years, I would include number one, the immunotherapy, which is one of the topics they were going to discuss, and the targeted therapies development, including such as CDK46 inhibitor, which has saved a lot of women's lives, as well as the PI3 kinase targeted agents, and some of the new therapy as a combination strategies of all those agents plus chemotherapy were the others. Thank you for that, Dr. Lim. So let's turn to some reports that got a fair amount of attention at ASCO this year, starting with Keno 355, which focused on immunotherapy for metastatic triple negative breast cancer. What can you tell us about this study? The Keno 355 has been the uh, the most exciting study that a lot of people have been waiting who studies metastatic breast cancer. So as you know, that there was a study called Impatient 130, which led to the very first approval of checkpoint inhibitor immunotherapy in breast cancer two years back, studying the atezolizumab, which is kind of like the companion immunotherapy in combination with Abraxane, which is napaclitaxel, which is similar to this study. However, this specific study also allowed a different regimen called the carboplatin plus gemcitabine that is commonly used for the first-line metastatic triple-negative breast cancer setting. And in there, they allowed the patients to be randomized into two-to-one fashion. To two out of three will receive the immunotherapy, which is the pembrolizumab, plus either texane or carboplatin and gemcitabine, or the remaining one out of three who's going to receive the placebo versus chemotherapy, and then compare who did better, how was the survival in six months without the progression, and so on and so forth. Did the results align with what you had expected, or were there any surprises for you here? I would say the surprising part was for me was that it was very, very similar to what we have seen in datezolizumab, which is anti-PDL1, compared to pembrolizumab, which was studied in this specific study, which is anti-PD1, uh, in combination with the chemotherapy. So the major difference of these two studies were, one, we're using the napaclitaxel versus this specific study used either taxane or carboplatin and gemcitabine, and yet the hazard ratio was exactly around 0.62, 0.65, 
which is a reduction about uh, 40% risk of patients having progressed at six months after initiation of the study, which is very identical, which was a surprise to me. But more importantly, this study went one step ahead and even studied the patients expressing PDL1. And then in that specific analysis, the benefit was slightly larger in terms of their survival, which was a another big success in the story of the immunotherapy in breast cancer. Turning to targeted therapies, there were several reports coming out of ASCO that got our attention. One was the BILEAVE trial. What do we need to know about this study's pursuits and the findings? So the BILEAVE study was a very exciting study for us the who is following the PIK3CA mutation, which is common in ER-positive breast cancer, which could be as high as 40% of older populations. There, we already had a SOLAR1 study that was published, which led to the approval of PI3 kinase alpha inhibitor apelicid. However, even though that study showed the efficacy of using the PI3 kinase inhibition in ER-positive breast cancer, what we did not know is that whether that efficacy will stay after a patient has progressed on CDK46 inhibitor. So this study was specifically designed to test the patient who has progressed on CDK46 inhibitor exposure. And excitingly, that efficacy was still the truth. So even for this patient who have progressed already on CDK46 inhibitor, the progression-free survival at six months was greater than 50%, which is a success with the median progression-free survival of 7.3 months. So that tells you that that um, even after a patient has failed some of the best therapy out there, if you can target a specific mutation for that patient, that strategy could still work as a uh, well-impacted targeted therapies. For those just tuning in, you're listening to Breaking Boundaries in Breast Cancer on ReachMD. I'm Mario Nasinovich, and joining me is Dr. Bora Lim to discuss recent advances in the breast cancer field presented at this year's ASCO meeting. So let's stay with targeted therapies for a moment and cover the Parsifal trial, since this got on our radar for endocrine-sensitive cancers. Can you walk us through the study? So the Parsifal trial is another study that we've been kind of waiting for. So as you know, then the ER-positive breast cancer patients who with the metastatic disease, this patient have a lot more neuroagent, people live long, but there had been a very long debate as to for patients who has had a very little exposure to the endocrine therapy, or who had a greater than 12 months after they completed the previous endocrine therapy for uh, their previous breast cancer. Do we need to use the fulvastrin, which is more aggressive form of shot-based endocrine therapy as a combination partner of the IBRANS, like or pavocyclic, or can we actually keep the aromatase inhibitor, which is a pill form, and some people may actually think that is easier. And then that was a stamped because we have had a few studies, such as Falcon study, showing the fulvastrin being superior compared to the pill-based, which is the aromatase inhibitor therapy. So basically what we did was we just randomly, you know, um, divide them into one-to-one fashion, one group get the palpocyclic plus fulvastrin, the other group the palpocyclic plus AI. So this was something that was not blinded. Um, the exciting part of the study was the uh, efficacy was exactly the same. The hazard ratio was 1.1. There was no significant difference. So uh, we proved that actually the pill form in combination with IBRANS in the endocrine naive or endocrine sensitive patient defined by more than 12 months since the last, um, the completion of the therapy actually is a good strategy. So I think this was good news for the patient. And then I think there's a lot of other biomarker that is coming out from the study that which will be further uh, studied by the group. I want to shift to the diagnostic side for a moment to focus on risk monitoring for breast cancer reoccurrence. And I understand there was some long-term follow-up data from the MindAct study, which tracked the performance of genetic testing. What were the takeaways from this report? 
So the main Mindex study, when it was first published in the New England Journal of Medicine, the, uh, the, the follow-up median survival was around like five years. And there, the key point of the Mindex study is that when we are stratifying the patient's risk based on clinical risk factors, can the 70 gene-based signature would add any benefit by kind of segregating patients into clinically high risk and yet genomically low risk, clinical high risk, and genomically high risk. So in the patient who had a high clinical risk factor that doctors would engage, but genomically low risk, the benefit of the chemotherapy was only 1.5% in the original study. Now we are at the point that the median follow-up is up to close to nine years, 8.7 years to be exact. And then there, that difference of the chemotherapy benefit was even lower. So now it's 0.9%. So, so this kind of adds the benefit of having the additional tool of genomic study to tell you whether my giving therapy uh, chemotherapy today for this patient would maybe add the uh, um, toxicity, but not truly the clinical benefit. Lastly, let's take a step back and consider this year's ASCA meeting as a whole. What else has been particularly exciting for you in terms of making new headway into the breast cancer space? So the, I think as a researcher, I think the biggest kind of excitement of uh, ASCO 2020 was really the immunotherapy. We already had an immunotherapy-based study that was uh, the, approved by the FDA. There was a neoadjuvant study that was presented in ESMO. And then now with this Keynote 355, this is very, very exciting that people used to tell us that, oh, breast cancer is an immune cold cancer. There's no immunotherapy benefit. But I think now we are really learning that that is not the case. What's really left with us is that every single study are using slightly different biomarker, how to determine the immune cold and immune hot. So that's homework that left for us. But at the same time, that is very exciting challenge. And in addition, there had been very small study that had been published or presented in the ASCO meeting to say there might be even different strategy that can target therapy and the immunotherapy can be combined and then actually have a better synergistic effect overall. Dr. Lim, as a highly active researcher yourself, what's next on the agenda for you? I mean, so personally, I have been very interested in something called cell death pathway. So cells, when they're old and they're like damaged, they have to go through a cell death called apoptosis. And yet the cancer cells have a lot of mechanism to overcome that by expressing different proteins. And to our excitement, there had been a approval of something called BCL2 inhibitors, such as phenetoclocks, that has been now being studied in breast cancer. So I would love to hear what's happening there. And I'm also uh, actively participating in those studies. And so there might be a new big uh, therapy for breast cancer. Who knows? But it's, uh, that's what is exciting for me. Well, it's exciting to see how these various research updates are changing the breast cancer landscape for the better. And I want to thank my guest, Dr. Bora Lim, for joining me to discuss some of the latest data presented at ASCO. Dr. Lim, it was great having you on the program. Thank you very much, Mario. You've been listening to Breaking Boundaries in Breast Cancer, sponsored by Lilly. To access other episodes of the series, visit ReachMD.com, where you can be part of the knowledge. Thank you for listening. The preceding program was sponsored by Lilly. Content for this series is produced and controlled by ReachMD. This series is intended for healthcare professionals only. To revisit any part of this discussion and to access other episodes in this series, visit ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.